0: Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together we can all make a difference. And it starts with love. Love from the Hip. People who have reported being abducted by aliens are usually referred to as abductees or experiencers. And although the first alien abduction was not widely publicized until 1961, alien abductions are said to have been taking place for much, much longer than that. Early literary evidence points to a diary entry written on March 1, 1639, by John Winthrop, about his fellow Puritans' account of a strange light in the sky, which also seemed to have transported them one mile upstream in their boat. Several other sightings were recorded by Winthrop as well. On November 27, 1896, Colonel H.G. Shaw, a Civil War hero, published an article in the Evening Mail of Lodi, California, claiming that he and a friend Spooner, were harassed and almost abducted by three seven-foot slender humanoids he thought to be from Mars. In 1955, Harold T. Wilkins, a British journalist, published his book Flying Saucers Uncensored. Examining sites all over the world, he posed new radical questions for the human race about what is exactly in the skies. Wilkins believed these galactic organizations to be war-ready and eager for a civilization takeover. While these literary works may seem like speculation or conspiracy, one can say it only adds to the mystery around the U.S. government acquiring 2.9 million acres with 5,000 square miles of restricted airspace in 1955, otherwise known as Area 51. The U.S. government acknowledged its existence in 2013, and it is now part of the NTTR, or the Nevada Test and Training Range, It remains heavily guarded and patrolled as well as under surveillance 24-7. The closest legal vantage point is said to be 26 miles away. It is considered the largest combined air and ground space for peacetime military operations in the world. Perhaps the numerous advancements in technology like the invention of the transistor radio, black box flight recorder, and the computer modem led to the rising number of UFO sightings and ET contact reports in the 1950s. This surge most likely instigated the US military to allocate a special task force to accommodate them. Project Blue Book was formed in 1952 and overseen by World War II Tuskegee pilot and Air Force Major Robert Friend. As director of the Aerial Phenomenon Division, Colonel Friend was tasked with investigating unidentified flying objects. Despite the 12,000-plus reports of unidentified objects, Project Blue Book was shut down in 1969. The project's conclusion was that UFOs posed no security threat to our nation, nor did they display any technological abilities outside of our own. Colonel Friend did not agree and tried to push for further scientific investigation, He was, however, unsuccessful with his efforts. The CIA's own interest in UFOs was reported to have fizzled out in 1990. Those who have not given up on their search for more answers are ufologists. These largely intelligent people are trying to put their skepticism of UFOs and ET existence to rest. And one might argue that would make them the best researchers. One of the most well-known UFO researchers and aviation journalists is Philip Klass, Often referred to as the Sherlock Holmes of ufology, through his extensive research, Klaas concluded that roughly 97 or 98 percent of the people who report seeing UFOs are fundamentally intelligent, honest people who have seen something, usually at night in darkness, that is unfamiliar that they cannot explain. The rest, he said, that 2 to 3 percent were frauds. Another well-known ufologist, Roger Crevin Lear, is best known for his investigation of alleged alien implants. Lear hired on a dentist, a radiologist, and a general surgeon to assist him in his research, all of which he divulged in 1999 in his first of many books called The Aliens and the Scalpel. He claims to have removed objects that emitted deep space frequency radio waves, had strange magnetic properties, and also contained odd crystalline structures. Skeptical investigators, however, claim Lear was simply discovering ordinary objects that became lodged in people's bodies due to accidental falls or walking barefoot. Skepticism has long provided an uphill battle for all things considered mysterious phenomenon. And behavioral psychologists point out, as humans, we tend to have our causal beliefs influence our interpretation of what we see. So essentially, if we didn't see it, by which I mean we have never seen anything like it in our lives to have an established belief for it, then it simply did not happen. Yet, maybe it is our shared experiences of phenomenon which will finally help to overturn this long-lingering skepticism. Even those who may have been disbelievers, like many commercial and military pilots from all over the world, are experiencing an increase in this unexplained phenomenon and are feeling compelled to publicly talk about it. In a recent 60 Minutes interview in 2021, Navy pilot Ryan Graves reveals that sightings of these UAPs, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or UFOs, are now happening almost daily. Carl Sagan said, In the deepest sense, the search for extraterrestrial life is a search for ourselves. Perhaps the increase in these sightings and encounters mean that we are finally doing just that. On today's Love from the Hip, it is my absolute pleasure to have Kathleen Martin on my show. Kathleen is a UFO and ET contact researcher, author, on camera expert, and hypnosis practitioner. Kathleen will share her, the first widely publicized alien abduction of 1961, that of her aunt and uncle, Betty and Barney Hill, and also share her own encounters. Through her own extensive research, she will also reveal why aliens are here, what they want, and more. You won't want to miss this one, so don't go anywhere.
1: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space. sakura can assist you not only does sakura channel insightful messages but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings providing you with a closure relief and new mindset to move forward so don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S A K U R A S U T T E R.com.
0: Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Estera Skincare Care Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Estera Skincare Care Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at esteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com.
1: SkinandMind.com.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Kathleen Martin on my show. Kathleen is a UFO and ET contact researcher, author, on camera expert, and hypnosis practitioner. Hi, Kathleen. Thanks for being here today. Hello. It's great to be with you. And you are joining us from where? I'm in Central Florida. Sunny Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how long have you been a UFO and ET contact researcher?
2: I began my work um, more than part-time in about 1990. So a long so, time. So uh, about 32 years. Yeah.
0: And were you ever a skeptic before you got into it? Is that what made you want to get into it?
2: Well, I became skeptical when I was in college and studying psychology. And in my psychology textbooks, it stated that none of this ESP, um, uh, UFOs, uh, visions, none of it was real. And so I was taking the lead from what I learned in college and became skeptical. Hmm. But then later, when I actually did the research and examined the evidence, I realized that my textbooks were wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you had every reason to believe that they were wrong, right? You had a personal, you had a, a slew of personal incidents happening to you, but also to your aunt and uncle. Can you briefly tell us about Betty and Barney?
2: Yes, uh, Betty was my mother's sister. And I was 13 years old in September of 1961 when they went on a short vacation to Canada, Niagara Falls, and then over to Montreal. And on their way home at night, uh, they had a close encounter with a craft that followed them, uh, traveled beside the car for a while, then in front of the car, and came in closer and closer. Finally, it swooped down over the car uh, over the highway, and they had to stop the car so they wouldn't be directly underneath it. And Barney got out of the car. He looked up. He, it ch- changed to another location. He walked to the field. It was now within about 100 feet of him, and he observed uh, these non-human entities looking down at him He became very frightened, thought that he was going to be captured, ran back to the car. They had a series of buzzing sounds that struck the trunk of their car, a period of missing time that they couldn't account for, more buzzing sounds. And when they arrived home, they found physical evidence that they could not explain. Torn clothing, uh, deeply scraped shoes, shiny spots on the trunk of the car that were magnetized, Uh, watches that never ran again, all sorts of evidence. And Barney uh, was extraordinarily traumatized by his memories of this.
0: Yeah. Wow. So what did they do with that? Did they go to did they report it? I mean, who
2: do you report that to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had uh, Project Blue Book at that time. I was going to ask. Betty and Barney reported it to Pease Air Force Base. And then the report was sent down to Dayton, Ohio, where Project Blue Book was located. And then were they
0: then guinea pigs? They undergo scientific testing? What happened after that?
2: Well, after that, uh, Betty and Barney were willing to speak with scientists, with UFO investigators, with the family, and close friends, but we were sworn to secrecy But because this was an experience that they never wanted re- released to the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then what
0: happened? How was it leaked?
2: It was leaked uh, because a friend of Betty's who was a UFO investigator spoke to a newspaper reporter and the newspaper reporter contacted Betty and Barney and asked to speak with them, promising that he would not commercialize on their story in any way. Mm -hmm. Betty and Barney said, absolutely not. We won't speak to you, and we do not want you to ever write about this. But he investigated this himself. He found witnesses to the craft that night, and for uh, he talked to the officers at at Pease Air Force Base and at Project Blue Book and at the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena Mm -hmm. and UFO investigators. And uh, after he did this study, his article ran, five articles ran in the Boston Travelers beginning on October 25th, 1961, I mean, 1965 and running for five evenings. Wow. So in in a sense, it
0: was a good thing because it helped them to piece it all together and also let them know they're not crazy. There are other witnesses.
2: Uh, Yes, it was good that they found out there were other witnesses. That was a a very good thing.
0: Yeah. And
2: uh, they knew they weren't crazy. Yeah. (laughs) They were intelligent, educated people, especially my aunt, who was a social worker, and graduated from college. She uh, became a supervisor in uh, the welfare department. She worked in adoptions. Bonnie worked for the post office, had been in the military during World War II, and uh, had excellent character references. He had a genius IQ. You know, so they they were active in civil rights. Yeah.
0: So they had no reason to believe they were crazy. Now, That allotted time that they, or that time that they had no account for, what happened with that? How did they discover what happened during that time?
2: Well, Barney just wanted to forget about it because he had conscious memories of observing those figures on the craft and feeling that he was going to be captured. But Betty was extraordinarily curious and wanted to learn all that she could. So uh, this was extremely distressing to Barney. And he ended up having a life-threatening condition Hmm. that was related to his level of trauma regarding the possible capture. And he ended up in the hospital with bleeding ulcers. Oh, wow. And then he uh, did not recover with traditional medical treatment. So he was referred to Dr. Benjamin Simon. Dr. Simon was a neuropsychiatrist who had a tremendous amount of success in a special uh, hypnotic technique that he used to treat veterans uh, with shell shock and conversion hysteria returning home from the front war front in, during World War II. Hmm. And so he was the specialist that Barney was referred to, and he, Barney was the patient. But Betty went to Dr. Simon with Barney and she asked if she could be hypnotized as well. And so he agreed to it, but he took Betty and Barney separately and he reinstated amnesia for the part of the event that they didn't consciously remember. And what information did they find in that? Well, they found that all of their... Conscious memories were accurate, and that they did uh, end up on a dirt road with tall trees all around. They knew about this. They'd been looking for it for several years and uh, finally found it in September of 1965. Wow. But uh, so th- they found that the uh, roadblock that they remembered was an actual roadblock that there were non humans standing in the road. They were the same ones that Barney saw um, when he was standing in the field using binoculars, when he became so frightened. Um, they uh, d- divided in uh, groups of uh, two groups. They went to Betty's side. She became terrified, wanted to run into the field and hide, or into the woods and hide, but they intercepted her. Barney uh, was in agreement to just step out of the car and go with them, and uh, they were taken to this landed craft where they underwent uh, kind of very strange physical examinations, and Betty had a conversation with one of them when Barney was being examined.
0: Okay. Okay. And so what did they want from them?
2: They said they only wanted to do a few simple tests and then they would be on their way. To like
0: check in with their DNA. What? I mean, you know why? I know, I know <laughs> why they
2: do all of this now. Betty right. and Barney didn't know At the why time. they wanted to do the tests, to take skin samples, to insert a needle into Betty's navel. Uh, years before we used amniocentesis mm-hmm. in a hospital setting, um, they, were, they were taking human reproductive material. They were taking uh, skin samples. I know now that they take uh, these samples in order to test the body for environmental toxicity. So but Betty and Barney didn't know that. They did a uh, test on their nervous system. They were particularly interested in their feet and their hands in their, um, the bone structure. Okay. So it's not a threat.
0: They're actually they're They were trying to help. They're trying to help the existence of humankind.
2: Yes. And they kept reassuring Betty and Barney that no harm would come to them. They only wanted to do a few simple tests and then they would be on their way home. Mm. So then what happened with you? Because then
0: you had your own personal encounters with UFOs and ETs. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. Um, after the publicity uh, regarding uh, their their account of what occurred, uh, there was a book published by John G. Fuller, and uh, so it became more widespread. There were scientists that asked Betty and Barney to participate in what we now think is CE experiments. They mm. call them psychophysics experiments. Okay, then. And they agreed. And so Betty attempted telepathically to send these scientists instructions to the ETs that she and Barney had met. And they were successful. Uh, not always. It wasn't consistent, but sometimes they were. One of those was to attempt to bring a craft in to land on my grandparents' farm. Hmm. a craft did come in. It landed. It left physical trace evidence on the ground. It um, was probably responsible for killing a tree that it came down over. Uh, and uh, it was reported. But what we didn't report is that my mother and I remembered being taken to craft that night. We This incident and Our contact events were investigated by Dr. James Harder in the 1970s. So a few years after the event occurred, Uh, we were never going to go public with this. My mother never did. Mm -hmm. But uh, finally, I reached a point in my career where uh, this was becoming widely accepted. Thousands of people, perhaps millions of people around the world have had these experiments, experiences. The federal government it has admitted that they have been lying, that these things have been occurring for a long time. Uh, government scientists uh, who worked through uh, the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency have come forward and reported characteristics of uh, people who have come into close contact with craft and non-human entities, and uh, the uh, what they have taken home to their families. So, I felt that the time was right. Yeah, but, uh, I should write this book. I've been helping experiencers of contact for um, many, many years. Yeah, you've and done a lot, a lot of research. I have, and and I just they knew. But they never violated confidentiality. So I thought, well, it's time to write about it to inform the general public of what I know and what I have learned, not only through the social research studies that I've worked on, but personally.
0: Your own experiences. So back to your own experiences. Did, did you suffer any health issues from being on board the craft? Like what happened to you, to all of you after experiencing
2: that contact? For the most part, I didn't suffer health issues. There was one time later on, and I was taken periodically to craft over my lifetime. There was one time when there was some kind of mistake and I was burned. Mm. I ended up becoming very ill. I lost a great deal of weight. I had uh, some cognitive problems, injuries, and uh, I, I, I lost all of my energy. I, I was ill for quite a long time until the ETs healed me. Oh, and then they healed you. Yes, they okay. did. So when does I it, asked for healing.
0: Does it move down the family line? I mean, it happened to your aunt and uncle. It happened to your mom. It happened to you. The contact, does it seem to stay in the
2: family? I can quote statistics to you from my study because I don't talk about anyone who hasn't already gone public. Um, In our statistical study, and I'm going to quote from MUFON's study of 516 experiencers and abductees, about 60% are aware that other family members have been taken. Mm. So at least uh, the majority of ET contact has to do with the study of genetic lines and upgrading genetic lines. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Well, we're
0: going to take a quick break, but stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny up next. On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to discuss the latest treatment for cellulite. With summer nearly here in the U.S., this newly FDA-approved treatment has become all the rage. It is called Quo, Q-W-O, and it promises to allow cosmetic surgeons to actually smooth out cellulite with just a shot. Cellulite, which is the dimpling of the skin around pockets of fat, is caused by the bands of collagen, or septi, which tether skin to the muscle. Studies say that 9 out of 10 women will have cellulite in their lifetime, regardless of their weight. In fact, despite what most people believe, Cellulite isn't caused by what or how much we eat, and isn't a result of not exercising enough. For 36% of women, it is hereditary, while for the rest, it is related to hormones. Quo, a collagenase injectable treatment, is set to work in moderate to severe cellulite by targeting the collagen types 1 and 3 to release the fibrous septi, which in turn releases the dimpling. According to Endoesthetics, the manufacturer of Quo, it is said to work in three ways. It releases fibrous bands, redistributes fat cells, and stimulates growth of new collagen. Quo treatments can take 20 minutes or less and can include up to 12 injections per treatment. Up to three treatments may be recommended, depending on the severity of the cellulite, with a 21-day window in between each session. Visible results are said to be achieved in 10 weeks, but of course, results will vary. As with any injectable, serious side effects can include allergic reactions, including anaphylaxis, and bruising at the site of injection. Before Quo, other cosmetic treatments for cellulite have not only seemed to be a lot more invasive, but also a lot more time-consuming. These other available treatments for cellulite include Cellfina which employs a technique called subcision, a needle-sized blade to snip the septi bands, cellulase, a thermal energy laser therapy often compared to a hot knife used to cut the fibrous bands, and radiofrequency treatments. In contrast to all of these treatments, Quo loosens the septi chemically. But much like the other cellulite treatments, Quo will only drastically reduce cellulite, but not totally eradicate it. It is said to cost anywhere from $450 upwards to $1,500 for one treatment, depending on the severity of the cellulite. Also, with the release of Quo in 2021, the long-term safety of it is yet to be determined. In addition, there isn't any data as to how long results will last. Still, women are loving the results they are getting. And although it was first only approved for the butt... It was only a matter of time before Quo would be used to address cellulite in other areas of the body. Today, many cosmetic providers are injecting it into the thighs as well. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just tuning in, I am having a fascinating discussion today with Kathleen Martin. Kathleen Martin is a UFO and ET contact researcher, author, on-camera expert, and hypnosis practitioner. So before the break, Kathleen, you were sharing with us your story of Betty and Barney Hill, and then also your own account. So once you have contact, do you you always have access to that contact?
2: I had contact periodically until about 2015. But then I participated in an experiment and uh, research study, with a man who claimed to communicate with a council of eight. And after I established a relationship with that council, my other contact experiences ended. Okay. And I'm not certain why, but the council said they would protect me. So can you tell us more about that council of eight? Yes. uh, They say that they are here uh, to oversee Uh, this quadrant of our galaxy. They are positive, they protect us from the negative types, and uh, their only interest is to assist in our development. They said they have been here from the beginning of uh, humankind, and uh, that they are concerned at this time, and make themselves more visible, because our technological progress is out of sync with our spiritual development. Hmm. And when this happens on planets, they've seen it happen before, it could lead to the destruction of everything on the planet, and so they're cons- concerned about this. They're concerned about our use of nuclear weapons and our failure to be good stewards to our environment. Mm. So it's really that we're the threat, not them. Yes, <laughs> that's that's the way they see it. And you know, uh, some sometimes I wonder if we are their experiment, and they don't want to see their experiment fail. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Now, you had mentioned to me earlier before that um, they actually visited with one of our presidents and they had an offer, but we turned it down. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yes, Uh, I can tell you about something that I wrote in my book, Extraterrestrial Contact, uh, A Personal Journey, and this came to me, this information came to me from the granddaughter of Rear Admiral Herbert Knowles. And he uh, had gained information from a woman who lived near him in Elliott, Maine. And Wilbert Smith, a brilliant radio engineer, scientist from the Canadian government, who was also the head of their UFO desk, uh, was involved in this too. And in a letter that Admiral Knowles wrote to Dwight Eisenhower. He stated that this uh, scientific knowledge being given to him by this woman named Frances Swan was far beyond her level of education or knowledge. So it went to Dwight Eisenhower and then the CIA, the Air Force, the, the Navy, Uh, The FBI, I believe, as well, uh, became involved in this secret study. And the only reason I learned about it was because I made an inquiry with Admiral Knoll's family Mm -hmm. and was able to acquire these materials. I did find also the FBI records about this, only they say that when they realized that the communication was not by traditional means, uh, they, they went home it. and stopped pursuing this, but uh, from the information I have, they continued. Okay, and uh, so they it was uh, an attempt to contact the federal government uh, to offer assistance, but uh, they would only give information to a little bit of in, in information to each nation on this planet. So that no one would have all of it, and before anything could be accomplished, all nations had to cooperate. And uh, we know we were in uh, the midst of uh, uh, a cold war with with the Soviet Union at that time. We'd just come off a mm-hmm. of war with uh, in World War II, so it was a very militaristic time on this planet. So we declined. We declined. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So
0: can we talk about the different species? How many different species of aliens are there that you know of?
2: Well, it depends upon who you ask. (laughs) Now, um, in our studies, we did ask that question. Now, the top two types are uh, a number of different races of greys of different sizes. Hmm. Uh, Also, human types. Uh, some very large, and others about five and a half to six feet tall. Uh, Then also, third, we have insectoid types, which are basically described as mantis types, uh, or mantid. some people call them that. Uh, Then we come to reptilians. That's number four on the list of but then there are many, many other types in smaller numbers. Tall whites, tall goldens, um, uh, fuzzy little animals. Bigfoot is considered by some mm-hmm. to be E.T. Right. In, in origin. Um, so do they, uh, all want the same- do they all want the same? thing? Do they all want the same thing? Most of them want the same thing. But we have been warned that they're are groups who do not have our best interests in mind. And those are draconian reptilians and rogue greys who are are little and might actually be androids working with them or maybe captives of them. Uh, So, uh, and there's one with a heart-shaped head that I've been told is also highly negative. But the others are not.
0: And they want to, what, take over our planet?
2: Uh, They just have the attitude that uh, anything on this planet and any other planet belongs to them. They don't adhere to any rules concerning what they take. Yeah. Okay. So can
0: we circle back to the contact with experiencers? What are some of the common characteristics that you find or have found?
2: Well, the majority of experiencers uh, have had a close encounter with craft. They have observed and they have conscious recall of observing non-human entities. They have the characteristics of sleep paralysis, about 95%. Yet, when we asked, uh, have you observed these non-human entities and lights in your room when you were wide awake? and then you became paralyzed. The majority said yes. Mm. So uh, those are commonalities. The other commonalities are that they view the world differently. Uh, They are uh, not as interested in making a lot of money as they used to be. They're far more spiritually oriented. Uh, They uh, become psychic are intuitive, empathic. They have most of the characteristics that near-death experiencers have.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. uh,
2: (laughs) Initially, uh, they might uh, develop symptoms of uh, chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome or uh, migraine headaches. Uh, But if they ask for healing, they can receive it.
0: And so what happens, why do people suffer, or why do most people suffer
2: amnesia during the contact? Well, that's a good question. And uh, sometimes I believe that it is because the ETs believe that it is better for the human emotionally Mm. if they don't remember what occurred, because it can be startling and frightening. I mean, these ETs don't look like us, except for the human types. Uh, they're telepathic. They don't talk the way we do. They don't have the same emotions that we have at the same level. And so, it's different. And uh, But in terms of memories, some people do uh, remember, or most people remember, at least part of the incident. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of Uh, forgetting, I've had the personal experience of uh, having a member of that Council of Eight come to me. His name is Zark, and he is a gray scientist. And when he came to me, I felt a very strong tingling sensation through my body. He communicated telepathically. I asked questions. And it's a good thing that I was recording in writing what he told me, because uh, when he left, I had no memory of Mm -hmm. what was said. So I think it might have something to do with that electromagnetic field, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then I would imagine, too, it's just our natural way of blocking things out that we don't want to deal with as humans, right? PTSD, we tend to forget or block that out.
2: Yes, with with some people, but I I can tell you, I certainly was not fearful of Zark. um, And still am not he can come to me whenever he wants for communication. And, um, you know, so but I with that strong magnetic field, I, I cannot remember unless I write it down. That's fascinating. All right. Well, with that,
0: we're going to take another quick break, but everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip
1: but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, S-U-T-T-E-R dot com.
2: Protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com.
1: A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at com, That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack It's a little old place where we get to get together explore fresh perspectives eavesdrop on juicy conversations and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships. And we're Tom and Stacey Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST, 1150 KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us. We look forward to connecting with
2: you soon.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you're just joining us, I'm interviewing Kathleen Martin. Kathleen Martin is a UFO and ET contact researcher, author, on-camera expert, and hypnosis practitioner. So, Kathleen, can we talk about where ETs exist as far as how we can see them?
2: Well, the ones that I have spoken with uh, through Kevin Briggs... Our fifth and sixth dimensionals, and then there are two ninth dimensionals as well. So uh, so
0: elevating our consciousness, we can actually w- would help us to see them.
2: Yes, absolutely. To com- through communication, through deep meditation, and uh, also, you know, they can come to me in my mind's eye, but I'm not yet able to see them as more than shadow figures. So I still have to elevate my consciousness some more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We all still have work today. (laughs) (laughs) So Kathleen, how many experiencers
2: have you worked with? I've worked with thousands. Now I've worked on the social research studies with about 5,000 experiencers in all. And then for the past uh, probably 35 years, I've been working with experiencers of contact so uh, thousands.
0: Yeah. And so types. how do you bring your, um, your work of hypnosis into it?
2: Well, I do uh, have a small hypnosis practice on a part-time basis, because I do so many other things as well. But I, I can do forensic hypnosis, uh, and I do the quantum healing hypnosis technique. I've been trained by Dolores Cannon and her daughter. So those are my offerings in hypnosis. Yeah, um, and how for, do you,
0: how do you apply those to your ET contacts?
2: Well, uh, differently than for past life regression, because we're still doing a regression, but we're going to an area that might uh, be challenging to the person who's uh, reliving it. Uh, but I give very loving suggestions and with a very calm voice uh, that they won't feel it now. They can go to their safety place if they want to. But, you know, almost everyone that I have ever worked with has realized that they've had a positive experience on the craft. Mm -hmm. that it wasn't frightening, that they weren't treated like the lab rats that they thought they were treated like. They had only heard about this and the media or read about this uh, being so negative and abusive. But uh, under hypnosis, they have determined that it wasn't. And why do you think hypnosis is, I mean, I do
0: hypnosis as well. I'm a hypnotherapy practitioner and it's it's absolutely amazing. Why do you think it's so powerful in these alien contact recalls?
2: Well, it's powerful for people to remember accurately what occurred. And uh, it's a wonderful device to be used therapeutically. Um, And and it's because that memory returns Mm. and they realize that they're not being harmed, that many have agreed to this Uh, before they came into this lifetime. Hmm. And if they do past life regressions too, most find out that they were actually ETs in a previous lifetime, or at least had contact as earthlings.
0: Right. uh, Interesting. (laughs)
2: Wow. Mm
0: -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your on-camera
2: appearances. How did you end up there? Well, because I'm an on-camera expert, it's because of the years of research that I have done. And I started as the niece of Betty and Barney Hill and the person who has done the, the highest level of research of anyone on this planet on the Hill case and mm. wrote about it and captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience, which I recently updated. So all the scientific evidence is there. I'm known as a scientific investigator Mm -hmm. of UFOs and contact, which is separate from my experiments that I have done. But I do both. I worked with nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman for nearly 14 years. And we did uh, television shows together. We spoke from the same stage uh, time and time again over the years. And so people respect me as someone who is scientifically oriented.
0: Yeah, it's very Uh, impressive. (laughs) And then tell us a little bit about your books. How many books do you have?
2: (laughs) I've written six books, three with Stanton, um, captured, as I mentioned. um, I wrote uh, about 90% of that book. Also, uh, fact fiction and flying saucers on the history of government involvement on the investigation of UFOs hmm. and uh, the people who were involved, the decision to cover up their knowledge, and uh, the those who were involved in the cover-up. And Philip class, one of those people you mentioned, yeah. was one of them. He was the mainstream media's go-to guy. So you'll find out in that book how he ended up doing that work for the huh. government.
0: Interesting.
2: Also, uh, science was wrong. uh, And uh, in that book, we talked about the history of science, but we also talked about the frontiers of science, uh, including UFOs and uh, academic experiments on telepathy. Uh, Also, the alien abduction files, uh, five cases of uh, UFO abductions. Uh, that uh, have a lot of evidence and that I have personally investigated and felt th- they belonged in a book um, Then uh, I also have uh, forbidden knowledge. is that your latest book? That is my latest book yes oh and and the one before that I forgot to mention. <laughs> Um, uh, extraterrestrial contact, what to do when you've been abducted, which is a comprehensive guide to ET contact, not just for people who have wonder if they've been abducted, but for therapists, for the general public, for people who love people who have been uh, in contact with extraterrestrials as well. So it's a comprehensive guide and it has a workbook at the end of each chapter to assist experiencers of contact in working through the process, finding the answers. Lovely. I have a
0: lot of books to read. So we're coming to the end of the show. But I wanted to ask you, what do you hope for the future relationship of ETs and humans?
2: Uh, I hope that humans will advance enough so that ETs are able to remain in the background and don't have a profound presence uh, on our planet. At the same time, um, we're, we need their guidance, we need their assistance, we need to uh, improve our uh, level of functioning spiritually toward everything on this planet. So I ask people to project love into the environment To treat others well, respectfully, and uh, not to go around being angry and warlike. (laughs) Because if you do that, you're only contributing to negativity in our collective consciousness, which might result in these ETs having to make themselves known on our planet, Mm -hmm. which most people would view as an invasion. Right. Right. And uh, so I don't want that to happen. But I do want contact to continue in terms of distance contact. Okay. Thank you for saying that. So how can my listeners learn more about you? They can go to my website at uh, Kathleen-Marden.com. Kathleen-Marden.com. I have many articles. My books, autographed copies of my books are for sale there. Um, you can order the books anywhere. You can go to YouTube and uh, see me. You can see me on television shows. I've been (laughs) on many, many UFO shows on television. Well, thank you again for being
0: here today. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge with us.
2: It was my pleasure. I'm happy (laughs) to be with you today.
0: And thank you to Eric, our lovely producer, and you, the listener. And remember, you can check us out, KKNW, KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Love from the Hip presents Go Beyond the Veil. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya.